Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of The Plot Strikes Back, 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 Back. It's me, your host, Nick here, to talk about The Mandalorian Season 3 in particular, as we're halfway through Season 3. Now, granted, some of you might not be big Star Wars fans, and that's fine, but there are quite a few Star Wars fans out there, and Granted, there has been a slew of controversy around Star Wars as of late over recent years, but a lot of people also think that some of the best content is circulated around the shows, whether it be the live action here with The Mandalorian or the animated shows in you know, The Clone Wars slash The Bad Batch or even the recent video games with you know Jedi uh, Fallen Order or the new uh, video game that's coming out in uh, at the end of April called Jedi uh, I think it's called, I think it's called The Last Survivor by the way I'm looking forward to it the first game was great I recommend playing it if you're a gamer out there so what I'm going to do here is talk about the first four episodes again the halfway point since every season that the Mandalorian has is eight episodes so there will be spoilers but if you just want to listen to hear what I have to say then you know come join the ride let's uh, go into hyperspace here so I watched the fourth episode this morning and I think so far out of again of the four episodes this one is probably my my favorite one and granted it you know, these episodes aren't always the longest. And when you factor out the intro scenes, you know, the previously on blah, 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 or the outro with the credits, they, you know, that they, they takes up some time. So when you see that the episode is only, say, 33 minutes long, you're really probably only getting 28, maybe 29 minutes of actual new content from the show. So, previously, the third episode of the season was the longest. And from what I gathered online, that episode was kind of mixed in terms of whether or not people liked it or not. Not to say that it was, it was bad storytelling by any means, but it just didn't really capture a lot of, I think, what people really wanted to see, and that is the journey from... Mando Dinjarin himself and Grogu, aka Baby Yoda. The other cool thing about this episode is that you know, the fourth episode, rather, was it was directed by Carl Weathers, who also, you know, plays one of the characters in the in the show, uh, Grief Karga, or rather, as he's called now, High Magistrate Grief Karga. And I thought again, it was probably the best one out of the four, or at least my favorite one out of the four. And to kind of catch people up that aren't, you know, super familiar with, with the Mandalorian, he, he's a Mandalorian bounty hunter. He's gone through trials and tribulations, you know, uh, sticking to the creed of the Mandalorians that could also be considered, you know, an old style way and sort of cultish compared to other Mandalorians. And again, if you're familiar with the Star Wars lore and you have watched even the Clone Wars as an example, you know that there are other Mandalorians out there, you know, Boba Fett being one of them, 
that take their helmet off. Whereas this sort of sector of Mandalorians, they don't remove their helmets because that is just sort of what the creed states. And that's kind of like what they follow. And they quote, this is the way. And ironically, I am wearing a, this is the way t-shirt. <laughs> so, uh, though you can't see it, you just, you'll just have to take my word for it. But I think the other cool thing about, again, what, what, John Favreau and Dave Filoni have done with this show is I think they've tried to make it feel more of what George Lucas created with the six movies that he was a part of that really started it all. And I think, again, to me personally, the Mandalorian seasons are the, the best Star Wars content. You know, I think Boba Fett was a letdown. I think Kenobi fell short of its expectations. I don't think Vader and Kenobi were the centric forces that they really needed to be. You know, other characters kind of got thrown in, in, in the mix, and I, I, I think it really stole the limelight from the characters that we wanted to see, and it didn't really put them as the, as the focal point. And I'm not really going to get into those shows in particular, I think Andor is another live action show uh, that some people weren't really looking forward to. And and I totally understand that. Uh, I was curious because I wanted to see what it was like. And that show got better as the show went on. And granted that it had nine episodes and the episodes were longer in, in runtime, which I appreciated. But again, it was more so the story overall that it's a precursor to the movie Rogue One, which, in my opinion, was the best Star Wars movie post-George Lucas. So, once Disney took over, out of the five movies that they've done, I think Rogue One is the best. And I'm not really going to go into it, but maybe in a future episode I will. Getting back to the show at hand... John Favreau and Dave Filoni are, you know, big fans. And Dave Filoni is basically Lucas's protege. He's worked, you know, with George on the Clone Wars shows, you know, for, for years, if you, if you weren't aware of that. But the fact that they've been working together and creating this show and really trying to, you know, bring something different into the mix. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, they, they got, you know, two cameos with Luke Skywalker and people are sick of it. And I was like, listen, if you're sick of Luke Skywalker, then, you know, I, I don't know what IP you've been following. But, you know, if it, if it weren't for Luke, you know, being a character and being the, the best Jedi to exist, essentially, in, in Lucas's realm, you know, then I, I don't maybe you, you just haven't been following the same story. Um, but... I think, again, what they're trying to do is not make it all about the other characters and really trying to get us to, I'm not going to quite say fall in love, but to really adhere to these characters, you know, being Mando and, and Grogu. And a lot of people, I think, over the last couple of years have said, well, this show is only good because of Baby Yoda or of you know, Grogu and, and being that he's so mysterious and because we really haven't gotten a lot of characters that are of the same species that Yoda is in, or sorry, a part of. And there's another species that, again, you may have seen if you remember, but uh, her name is Yaddle. And there was a really cool segment of the animated show called Tales of the Jedi. It's on 
Disney Plus, and they're shorts that are like really short, maybe like ten to fifteen minutes at the most. But there's uh, an episode that goes basically back between. I want to say it was episode two and three, where you know Yaddle, you don't see her in the in the council in the prequel movies. At one point, you see her in the council in the Phantom Menace, but you you see a young young Dooku. Now maybe it was between episode one and two. Then you kind of see a little bit more about her, and then so there's a lot of theories running, like you know, well, was was her, you know downfall a part of something in the future but i don't think so because of this particular episode in in the mandalorian with grogu you know we we see that he's you know he made the decision from from the boba fett show again it's sort of where a lot of people kind of complained about the fact that they are saying well you got to watch this show to, to understand so if you never watched boba fett though or rather the book of boba fett as it's officially titled and you're just watching mandalorian and you watch the end of episode or the end of season two where Grogu goes with Luke Skywalker and leaves Din Djarin, who has also removed his helmet. So people have seen his face, basically. Grogu. He's faced with a way to seek redemption. And Grogu has been training for two years, as John Favreau stated in, in an interview. So, and it's and it's apparent, I think, so far with this season that Grogu's skills with the Force have become stronger. We see him using the Force to, you know, move things, to do flips, sort of like we've seen with Yoda do in lightsaber battles. But Grogu doesn't have a lightsaber. And he decided to give that up when faced with the decision with Luke. And it was something that I th- I thought about today after watching this episode that made me think about the season two finale too was you know seeing how you know mando is you know very much treating grogu as his own child you know and though he hasn't said like i'm his father or anything like that because obviously you know not the same species whatsoever but he's he's clearly like a, like a stepdad essentially right and you know insert pun of pedro pascal being stepdads from other tv shows and namely the last of us but it's it's pretty interesting to see the story that is you know highly centered around the planet mandalore and we're getting a lot of bo-katan crees in the show and katie sackoff actually voiced bo-katan in the clone wars animated show which is great and and we saw that back in, in season two but out of the four episodes she's been in every one and it's really interesting to see what her character might do and you know based on the four the four episodes you know we see Din Djarin he wants to go to Mandalore and and bathe in the waters to seek redemption which he does and while doing so we see some other cool parts about Mandalore. It's not cursed. It's not poison. It was all just uh, a lie, essentially, you know, um, a myth, a hoax, whatever you want to call it. But Bo-Katan, as she's rescuing Din Djarin at one point because he falls to the depths because the waters aren't supposed to be that big, but because of all the bombings, things caved in underwater. And 
when Bo-Katan is rescuing Jaren, she sees a mythosaur. And if you don't know what the mythosaur is, it's referenced, uh, I think, in the very f uh, first or second episode of the show itself, where Mando is trying to ride a little creature that Queel, played by or voiced by Nick Nolte, says, isn't it true that the man, uh, Mandalore the Great or one of your ancestors rode the great mythosaur? And so, you know, nerds and fandom were like, oh, my God, he said he said one of the things of the creatures, you know, and, and all that kind of jazz. And and granted, that was a big point because we over I think we always wondered, would we ever see one? And they're thought to be extinct. But the fact that Bo-Katan sees one, it popped a big question mark going, hmm, what's she going to do about that? Because she asked Mando, did you see anything? He says, no. Hmm, interesting. Okay. And then in the fourth episode, so she kind of gets, uh, I don't want to say forced because she could have chosen not to do this, but because of Din Djarin becoming redeemed, the armorer, played by Emily Swallow, she says, Bo-Katan Kreese, you've also been redeemed and... Because she says, have you taken off your helmet? And she says, no. And he goes, this is the way. So she sort of joined this, you know, the this this outpost of, of Man and Mandalorians. And, you know, based after the end of episode three, people are like, all right, well, what's what's her aim? What's what's she trying to do? What's what's her agenda? You know, and I think it's quite interesting because the way she looked at this wall piece of you know, the signet of the mythosaur, you're like, what is she thinking behind that helmet? And she's thinking about, hmm, you know what? I might be able to try and tame or ride the, you know, get this mythosaur. Mythosaurs are like huge, you know, dragon type creatures. And I wonder if she's going to use the mythosaur to rule Mandalore once more or try to become a ruler of sorts. And so that's what I think might happen somewhere, you know, towards the last half of the second half of this, of this season. And we'll see because, you know, even, even in this fourth episode here, we, we see a couple interesting things. We see again, Grogu, he has a little training match. He wins quite easily, but he just looked like he was kind of holding it back at first. But the the other kid who's much older than him, who he was facing against, was uh, or goes by the name Ragnar Visla. And Visla is an old name that goes back to the Clone Wars and a couple other fun facts of. John Favreau himself voice acting a Visla character in the Clone Wars show. And we see the Mandalorian who has like the big, he's like kind of a bigger dude. And he's got like the like giant, like Gatling gun, like minigun type, you know, blaster um, or cannon rather. I guess it's not a blaster. Um, he's also, he's, he's the father 
and uh, to to Ragnar Visla. And of course, after Grogu beats Ragnar in a in a little match here, this large pterosaur type you know creature comes flying over the mountains. It grabs Ragnar with, with with its claws, and they it takes it back to its, to its little like nest, its lair, and they try to chase after it, but they run out of out of fuel in their jetpack, so they you know retreat back to their their little covert. And Bo-Katan was smart enough to fly on a ship, scout the area out, and she says, "I know where I know where it is. I know what the area is like." And she's like, "We can totally." scale these mountains you know we'll bring a group so she leads a hunting party and you know that includes Din Djarin and uh Ragnar's father um Paz Vizla and Grogu stays behind and it's pretty interesting and this was probably one of the my favorite parts of the entire episode and of maybe of the of this season I'm maybe the whole show because it really answers something of that you know fans have been wanting to hear about what happened to Grogu on Coruscant after Order Order sixty six happened? So as the armor is forging this, you know, new piece of Mandalorian armor for Grogu, it's the same signet that that Din Djarin has on his one of his shoulder pieces. She makes it and gives it like on his. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny because it's like the the circle piece is like as big as his chest. But she she puts it on on his chest, and it's just so tiny that it it just you know fills the whole his whole little chest thing. Yeah, it's the uh, mudhorn or sigil rather. So as she's hammering away at the armor, he's having these flashbacks, and we finally get to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, and we see other Jedi trying to protect him. They're like, get the, you know, get the youngling to the ship. And, and he gets, you know, it wasn't pushed, but he goes into this elevator and the Jedi dies falling into the elevator. And so they stops on the floor. And then another Jedi master, Kelleran Beck, as his name is, is there. And when I saw who it was, I was like, Oh, is that, Ahmad Best? It sure is. Now, if you're wondering, Nick, who is Ahmad Best? Well, it is none other than the actor who played Jar Jar Binks. Missile Jar Jar Binks! Yep. And listen, Jar Jar got a lot of flack. He got a lot of flack for, for years, and it's the stupidest character. What did George create this character? Blah, blah, blah. I think there was the funniest part of... of, of that fans created in this fan fiction saying that Jar Jar was like an actual, like, <laughs> like, like dark Jedi. He was like a Sith because all, all the flips he did and he plays dumb, but like, he really like, you know, you know, knows how to maneuver. And I, I think it was hilarious. You could watch videos on YouTube about it, but Jedi master Keller and Beck played by best. He, he does a great job. He, you know, he's, he's protecting. He had, there's two lightsabers. He's dual wielding. He's, you know, fending off all these clone troopers. And there's, a, there's a, like a chase scene and a speeder uh, in the, the city of Coruscant. And you can really see that, you know, he's using the quick Jedi reflexes to es escape the, ta the two clone trooper 
ships that are tailing him uh, to the part where he gets to a star cruiser and other which uh, they looked like Nabooian um soldiers i could be wrong about that but they're like where's everyone else he's like there is no one else just just this youngling so one of the clone trooper ships land on the like flight deck and they got to leave. So Keller and Beck jumps in the ship with Grogu and they escape. They go into space and they go into hyperspace. And that's when the flashback scene ends. And again, that was awesome to see. And granted, there's probably other questions like, well, where did, where did they go? Where did Keller and Beck you know, leave him, you know, what happened to Keller and Beck? Like, you know, there's a lot of questions that I think, you know, could be answered in other episodes, maybe in another season. Um, I think one in particular, and this is something that uh, I'm going to maybe take a shot in the dark at, you know, one thing that was done well by, I, you know, I guess Disney, but, Mar- through Marvel Comics was there was a great Darth Vader series uh, that started in 2017 and I think finished in 2019. It was like 25 issues. Um, if you really, really want to see some awesome, awesome storytelling and you love Darth Vader, I highly recommend buying them. You could probably buy it as a book, even like you know, digitally buy it, but it is... Uh, very, very good storytelling. And essentially what happens with, with Vader is he hunts down other Jedi. And he, I wonder maybe, you know, in the in the aspect of future episodes, could we see a, you know, a Vader appearance played by Hayden Christensen seeing, fighting, and potentially killing Keller and Beck. I think it's highly possible. And, you know, that would be awesome to see. Again, just a little, little cameo. Yeah, people would probably love it. Uh, I, I would, you know, thoroughly enjoy that. So I, I hope to see that. I'm not going to, you know, have a super high expectation, but I think that would really just help, you know, fill in some gaps and, and I think maybe, you know, create some, you know, good... Um, good storytelling and and answer some questions for for a lot of people and fans and again you're just kind of I don't want to quite say doing it for the fans and fan service but it's like you know hey when people are like whatever happened to this character what happened to that character well we're going to answer those questions by saying well guess what Keller and Beck was hunted down by Darth Vader and ultimately killed Um, you know and maybe that's where Keller and Beck knew that he was being hunted by Vader and then decided to get rid of Grogu. Uh, not in a bad way, but just hide Grogu. You know, that very well could have been something that happened. And again, I don't think that's the final story we're, we're, we're seeing of uh, the two of them together, meaning um, Keller and Beck and, and Grogu. So, um, but then we get back to the you know present day and we see the hunting party trying to save Ragnar and Paz Vizsla kind of oversteps and ruins things. And then... Uh, Ragnar is, you know, taken again, but Paz is also taken again in, in the pterosaur's mouth and they're flying over the water. And so the other Mandalorians are using their jetpack and they're, you know, shooting like, cables around 
its body, I guess, and with the wings, and and they save Ragnar as he's falling, and you know Paz Vizsla is also you know saved, and and then the beast of the pterosaur falls into the water, and of course I I knew exactly what was going to happen because they showed us what lies in these waters on this planet that they're on in the first episode when a giant like it's like a crocodilian turtle that attacks the mandalorians in the first episode of season three here we you know we see that same thing Uh, well the first one dies in the first episode but we see another one there's you know always got to be another one right that dinosaur crocodile crocodile turtle eats the pterosaur so uh, whatever planet they're on has very uh <laughs> similar dinosaur-esque creatures on it which is cool in my book but you know that's the end of that and once once they get back to the covert you know we we see you know the armorer talking to bo-katang and kind of honoring her and there's there's a theory that i won't really get into because it will require a lot more explanation um but essentially the armorer you know replaces bogotan's uh right pauldron her shoulder piece because that it got lost when she was fighting the pterosaur in the air and as the armorer asks if she's going to make another night owl sigil Bokadan says, no, make it a mythosaur. And the armor says, yeah, I know. It's totally cool to, to wear that you know, for all, all Mandalorians. And I was kind of wondering if there was going to be any question about this, but Bokatan essentially asks and says, what if I've seen one? What would you say about that? And the armor really doesn't have anything to quite say, but I think it's interesting just how the armor really didn't take to it the armor the armor just was like yeah no that's cool if you think you saw one in a vision that's that's great you know this is the way and you know again shrug shrugging it off like it didn't matter and i don't know if that was a plan that bo katan was using to her uh maybe agenda going well i'm gonna ask her she see what she says to see what i have to do but if no one believes me, then maybe once I go off and, and get this mythosaur myself, when I show everyone what I've got, well, then you know who everyone needs to follow. And I think what, what might end up happening is she will get the mythosaur. Because, you know, she really wants to rule again. And she can't do that without the Darksaber, which... Din Djarin has and you know, we saw him struggling to use it in the second episode whereas Bo-Katan did not have an issue so there's something that is isn't clicking in Din Djarin's focus so you know I think for the sake of what might happen at the end of this season will there will there be a split in terms of who's ruling who you know which part of the remaining Mandalorians, which, you know, they, they seem to be rebuilding because there are quite a few you could see in this episode. And 
they're they're still recruiting you know even you know very uh young foundlings so i i'm curious to see if if there's going to be a new ruling and you know a couple of other interesting points about this season that they've been hinting at is well you know this new republic it isn't um maybe all that it appears to be and you know we've kind of gotten a glimpse of that in previous seasons too and you know in the third episode which was long and maybe some people didn't really care for it that much we saw dr pershing who was in the first episode that tried to like you know clone you know get information from grogu's genetics and dna he is getting his mind wiped um by a former uh, officer that worked under a very bad man, played by Giancarlo Esposito, Moff Gideon, who has seemingly escaped on his way to a war tribunal. So it's like, oh, well, we'll, are we going to see? Are we going to see Moff Gideon again? Well, I think it's very possible. But will he be alone? Who helped him escape? I don't think it was I don't think it was him. And then in the third episode, when at the end of the third episode, when they're Bo Katan and, and Din John are going back to Bo Katan's castle that she has in a, another planet in the system of Mandalore, they're essentially met with a lot of TIE fighters, in particular TIE interceptors that are an upgrade from the regular TIE fighters and they've got to get the hell out of there as there are way too many. Bo-Katan wants revenge and John's like, this, like we'll, we'll live to fight another day, right? As the saying goes. But what kind of warlord would send that many ships? What kind of warlord would know that this location exists? What kind of warlord knows who Bo-Katan and the Night Owls are? Well, there's a theory, and I, for one, think it is about time we see this particular individual, this villain, this character that was originally from the extended universe, from the books, before they were quote-unquote turned to legends and not canon. Nope, sorry, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, they are still legend. Those books are far better than anything that Disney has put out. But as Dave Filoni and John Favreau are trying to do is incorporate things from Legends, or rather from the extended universe, because Dave always gets giddy when things like that get mentioned. And Dave Filoni was part of the reason why this particular character, who I will mention in just a second if you haven't figured out who it is just yet, introduced him into the Rebels animated show that takes place between episode three and episode four in that time frame. The villain referred to that actually, sorry to do this again, that was actually mentioned in the, I think it was the fourth episode of season two when we see another new Jedi that, that appeared with Ahsoka Tano when she says, where is Grand Admiral 
Thrawn. Woo. He was a villain in one of the first book trilogies from the extended universe that I read, and I cannot wait to to see him. Um, for those of you who don't know, I mean, you can use Google Grand Admiral Thrawn, T-H-R-A-W-N, but he is a male chiss, C-H-I-S-S, blue skin, red eyes. Uh, that's just that uh, species and man i i cannot wait to see who plays him and where that all fits in because time wise it it, w- it would fit and because the fact that he was introduced in the rebels era but much younger you know being years later it would make sense that he still is you know, is alive and you know, I don't really know what they'll be able to do to make some of these things from the extended universe exist and and work correctly, you know, canonically speaking. But you know, I, I want to say I have faith in Dave Filoni and 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 John Favreau and trying to connect the dots and make things you know click as well as they can, uh, considering the circumstances of the. Uh, the sequel trilogy movies, which I will not really get into because I am not a big fan of them. But this show, you know, so far again this season, I I'm I'm really thoroughly enjoying. Um, I think there really hasn't been a lot of fluff. You know, I think every episode has had a purpose and and meaning behind the story. You know, the the plot continues. The the plot is is good and i think there's still things to uncover from the plot itself and, and mainly character development and you know character agendas you know i feel like for for din Djarin, his goal was to become redeemed well he is now is it just to make sure that grogu learns the ways of the mandalore you know to to you know, he, he can't speak yet, but he can certainly do some sort of battle and, and training. You know, he's very small, and though he's not, we know he's not going to get much bigger for his species, but will we see him wield any sort of weapon, or is he just going to continue to use the Force, and is he going to you know, be a Force-wielding Mandalorian? Which there only has been one in, in existence in Star Wars lore in years past. So... But what's Grogu going to do? Is that his path? Is that his destiny? It is your destiny, right? Bo-Katan, we know what she wants to do. She wants to rule again. Well, she kind of sees an an opportunity with the Mythosaur. What about the Darksaber? Well, Din Djarin's still clumsily using it, so we'll see what happens there. But what about the whole Mandalorians as, as a covert? Are they just trying to continue to grow? Seems like it. Okay, cool. We know what ha- what's happening there. The New Republic, meh, whatever. Uh, it's probably the least thing I'm interested in, in seeing develop. But what about... What about the villains? What about Moff Gideon? What about the potential addition of Grand Admiral Thrawn? Because these next four episodes can could completely change things. 
and and potentially make season three the best so far and i think that's what you should always strive to do is make whatever season you're on better than the last or at least as good you know because there were there were, there's some fluff in season two here and there it's like all right what was the point of this episode what was the point of that like eh, okay whatever but so far this season has been pretty on point you know i i I don't know really what I could say as far as giving it a rating goes, you know, thus far. I mean, I would be okay with giving it like somewhere around like an eight, eight point five as far as story goes. Again, like the the whole thing on the episode three with Coruscant and Doctor Pershing and the New Republic and people that are you know were working for the Empire that are now sort of like you know living in this you know amnesty program. You know, it's okay because it kind of just talks about like, well, yeah, what happened to all the people that were in the Empire that, you know, weren't killed? Were they taken prisoners? Were they gone? Were they kind of like rehabilitated? You know, we kind of know now. So it did answer some questions and it did you know, provide more to the story. So I'm not going to, you know, harp on it too, too hard. But was it pivotal to the overall plot? We got a flashback episode or scene that does provide context that we really wanted to see because it entails one of the most fascinating and loved or you know, beloved characters in this show as a new character as Grogu. So I think for the sake of, again, looking at season three, I think Dave Filoni and John Favreau have done uh, a great job, you know, and again, I'm, you know, really, really looking forward to seeing more of, you know, what comes of it. And I think some of the things to look forward to that you that may or may not talk about or, you know, give any sort of insight to is that, um, you know, the first two episodes were just solely written by John Favreau. Uh, episode three was written by John Favreau and Noah Clore. This episode was written by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Now, sometimes people look at the combination of the two and go, well, if it involves some sort of lore and a lot that pertains to things that are heavily on the Jedi side or certain, or certain characters in particular, then Dave Filoni is usually involved in the writing process for that episode. Now we can see for episode five and six that John Favreau is the sole writer as is the finale, but episode seven is John Favreau and Dave Filoni. So I think episode seven might be, a big and important episode. Mark my words. I'm just theorizing that episode seven might be a big one. And of course, as far as directors go, you know, Rick, uh, Rick Famuyiwa, he did the first one and he's doing the last two. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, again, I think Carl Weathers did a great job. Episode four, Peter Ramsey does episode five. Bryce Dallas Howard does episode six. She's directed a couple of episodes in the past as, as has Rick the first two seasons so um you know great to see like these you know little team that they have of, of you know, the mandalorian sort of just always involved um because because it, it keeps things like in-house so to speak you know same thing with carl weathers right so um yeah definitely enjoying this season so far if you again if you haven't watched this season yet but you've decided to listen in well what are you waiting for if you're waiting for the whole thing to, to finish and you just got a lot of things spoiled, sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, hopefully you read the description 
uh, for this episode. But before you listened and understand that there was going to be some spoilers involved. So, uh, but that about do it. Uh, be sure to see a future episode that encompasses the last half of the season, and you know, probably probably reference some things from the first half uh, in this episode. Maybe I was wrong about episode seven. We'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, um, maybe we won't see Moff Gideon. Maybe we won't see Grand Animal Thrawn, and, and maybe Grand Animal Thrawn will be introduced in the Ahsoka Tano show. Uh, you know, we'll see. Someone did say. Um, that in an interview with Dave Filoni and John Favreau that there was going to be another type of big aha moment like there was with Luke Skywalker. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know who that might be. Some people were like, it's going to be Harrison Ford in, as a young Han Solo. And I'm like, ah, I don't know about that one. I'm, that might be a stretch. Because I I think Harrison Ford is completely over being uh, in, in Star Wars uh, of any kind, but uh, maybe because they're de they, they could de-age him, so he's just like yeah, I'm down for it, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, we'll see. It could be Ahsoka. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Luke again, but yeah, we'll see. You know, we got four more episodes to watch. You know, four more weeks to go through and uh, and see what these two gentlemen. Uh, Favreau and Filoni uh, deliver us. So um, that'll be it. Be sure to share, rate it, subscribe if you haven't, all that kind of fun stuff. And I will see you on the next one of the plot. Steer back, 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 back.